Coming to you from New York City. This week and every week, it's the Ben Kissel Show. Biggest mistake in music history was when Kiss took off the makeup. Holy yeah. Lord, you're just looking at a bunch of middle-aged Jewish fellas. Yeah, yeah not good. They weren't cool at all after that. Right. Yeah. Whole thing fell apart. Yeah. Who told Kiss to take off the makeup? They needed some know. kind of shark to jump. They had. Yeah. They needed some gimmick. <laughs> Put always keep the make more makeup. More. More makeup, Kiss. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> Welcome to the morning zoo, everyone. Oh, are we doing this? I don't know. Ooga. Ooga. <laughs> we got Hog Boys with us. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Welcome to the show. I'm Ben Kissel, joined by Mike Coscarelli. Thanks for being here, Mike. Hey, Ben. All right. Today's guest is Mark Normand. Hey, hey. Just farted. All right. How's it going? How's it smelling? Good, good. Good to be here. I had a panini with, uh, with Ben earlier. I was a little bit late. I was 20 minutes late coming into the studio because the C train was uh, not my friend today, and in order to... Uh, Make up for my uh, terrible transgressions, misgressions, transgressions, something. Transgender. Yeah, some transgressions. <laughs> I brought. I bought you a panini. I appreciate it. Now I'm glad you were late. Yeah, no problem. I'm <clears> very, <throat> very happy that I was late as well because I also got to eat a good Cuban sandwich. This is nonstop entertainment. Perfect. You might recognize Mark Norman's voice from a show called NBC's Last Comic Standing. <laughs> Who was watching it? Everybody. Mark Norman and I have known each other for quite a while in comedy. What do you think? Seven years? Eight yeah, years? Yeah, maybe. Something like that? Yeah, I, I used to run a show at the Creek in the Cave, and you were my first guest. What the, What show is that? We're all friends here. Ah, that's right. Yeah. I haven't been on since. Well, we haven't done the show in a while. Mm, I see. We've been busy. Check out We're All Friends Here. It's a great podcast. I'm sure you can still find it online and everything like that. He yeah. does it with a great uh, fella and a nice man himself, Mr. Matt Ruby. That's your co-host for that show. That's right. And you guys seem to get along very well. We had Ben Kronberg on the show recently. He's also a uh, an alum. An alum of Last Comic Standing, and Roseanne yelled at him and she yes. says where's all my extra weight and he says it's in your ass and then she called him a dickhead <laughs> or something like that yeah i had a tough go on that show i felt like i was i was gonna go places right. like I, I did the first set and the whatever it called the semis and uh -huh. i killed i had a great she said you had the best set of the night blah 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 and i was like all right i'm gonna take this fucking thing over right and then the next round i got a wild case of food poisoning from eating Thai food in wisconsin i had no idea there was Thai food in wisconsin no one did i found the one place Mark. Yeah. What is wrong? Why would you eat Thai food in Wisconsin? Wisconsin is for the deep fried. I know. I, I wouldn't even eat a Snickers bar in Wisconsin unless, unless it's deep fried. Food poisoning is everywhere. People are full of dung. I had a wild hair up my ass. I said, hey, look at that, a Thai plate. And it was one of those Thai, Chinese, Japanese. Oh, was it a buffet? Tell me you didn't do it. It wasn't buffet. a buffet. It wasn't oh, a buffet. God. But we went for the lunch special. I was like, hey, $6.99. Let's mm -hmm. do it. And uh, It comes with a free cleanse. Yeah, and I went... And then the next day, I was like, ah, I feel a little weird. And I had crazy diarrhea. My tongue went sheet white. Oh my, I, my vision was blurred. I had weird anxiety. I was sweating everywhere. And my belly was distended like a wow. like an African child. Well, now at least you know how it's going to feel on your wedding day. I yeah. feel like that's the exact same thing a groom goes through an hour before he marries the uh, the woman that his mother loves. Yeah, well, for my wedding, they're being catered by uh Wisconsin Thai. Yeah, Wisconsin Thai, Chinese, yeah, and, and uh, Japanese. And Japanese. Not one of those races exist in, in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Never eat food in uh, unless that race actually lives in that community that's serving it. It was served by a Mexican, which was ironic. Well, that makes you feel kind of safe anyway. But he had his eyes taped. So, but, uh, so you had food. <laughs> he had, uh, well, he has to be authentic. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's how you really know you're getting your authentic Chinese, Japanese, Thai cuisine. Exactly. So it was. A, let me let me just put the week uh, on the map here. I was yes. doing a week of crazy because shit. I want to say this uh, just uh, to inform the audience for those that don't know. The last comic standing, obviously, it, it, it plays over a series of weeks. Yes. But in reality, it is filmed in five days. No, no, I'd say. 
maybe a whole the whole thing is like two and a half weeks. Okay, but it, they they stretch it to a four months right, on right. TV or something. So uh, I had this crazy comedy week. It was last year. I had I was doing my album in Wisconsin in Madison. Okay. Then I was going to go from there to Last Comic, and then from there I went to do my half-hour special for Comedy Central. All in one week. Okay. So it was like this wild, successful week. I've never had anything like it in my life. So I'm doing the album in Wisconsin. I eat the tie. I fly out to L.A., do Last Comic Standing, do well. Next round is the next night. Right. The the the, uh, the food poisoning is kicking in now. It's full effect, and I'm <laughs> no. just freaking out. I'm like, I gotta be on TV like this. I'm never on TV, and I've never had food poisoning. And now they're coming together. What the fuck? Right. And so I go out there. I'm like bone white. I'm sweating. You're supposed to do three minutes, and I'm sweating my ass off. Oh my god. And I bomb horribly. And Roseanne goes, I gotta tell you, what, what happened? You 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 did so well the first time, and you you look terrible. Are you okay? And I go, well. I got to tell you, Roseanne, I got AIDS. And yeah. it killed. It killed. So I'm like, maybe I'll get them back with the riffing. Right. And uh, Murder was a you know, 2,000 people theater. And then uh, Damon Wayne, or shit, I fucked up. Uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans goes, uh, yeah, last time you were so good. I mean, the writing's good, but you got no delivery. And I said, thanks, Damon. And that killed. Right. And, uh, and then Russell Peters said, yeah, I don't know what happened. You used to be blah, blah, blah. And I was like, maybe I'll do some uh, offensive voices next time. And that killed. Right. And they didn't air any of it. Oh, great. Yeah, because they have to make you look like a jerk off. Exactly. That's perfect. And I'm happy that you took Russell Peters down a peg because Russell Peters is the world's most famous comedian. Just ask him. And <laughs> uh, all he does is exactly what you just said, goes around and mocks other people's cultures just simply by doing uh, other uh, by by doing voices with no punchlines, no jokes, just talking. Yeah, just in accents. He's what Dat Fan was for those that don't remember Dat Fan from I believe season one of Last yes, Comic Standing. He won. He won the entire show making uh, a mockery of his mother. Yeah, and uh, he hasn't worked since because believe it or not, oftentimes Last Comic Standing isn't a star maker. No, um, Rodman. He's he won. He's a fucking hack. Is he a hack? Oh my god, I've, I've opened for him on the road. We had the same agent. Yeah, and he he won. So they were like, yeah, go open for him, make some money. I was like, all right, and he would do the same exact set from TV, so everybody would complain and then he would they would try to take a photo with him and he charged him 50 bucks i kind of like the guy what i kind of like it 50 bucks for a photo with rodman i know but he he took this is a huge honor to win this thing and he just takes it from everybody and then doesn't you like he's already done he's washed up who do you think is the worst do you think he's the worst winner of last comic standing in the history I think, of last comic standing. I think he's up there. I think uh, Schlesinger is a bad one too. Eliza. Oh, okay. You don't like her very much. Well, I think uh, you know. Have you? Ah, I, I mean, saw this I, I documentary like on Netflix. Uh, no, no, I saw her special on Netflix. War Paint. I, uh -huh. I thought it was fine. I mean, you oh, know, really? I, I have a difficult time uh, being uh, too much of a critic. Uh, you know, especially to stand up. I mean, you know, you go out there, you you put it out, and some people like it, some people don't. At the end of the day. I was I was online the other day and there's this guy this guy's calling himself a comedy journalist. Hmm. You know, there's so many people talking about comedy uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, I feel like at the end of the day, what do they hurt? No, you, know, you just I know. go on stage, you try to make people happy. And I, at the I end of the you. day, you know, if you if you if you didn't have the the best punchlines on the face of the planet, maybe you were in Wisconsin eating some Thai Chinese I and know. Japanese I'm, food. I'm with you there, Benson. I get what you're saying, but. If somebody's working hard and passionate about it and trying original ideas and new right. shit, I think they should be rewarded more than the guy who's going up there and going, so black people and white people have different sized dicks, ah, yeah. which is fun, but it's been done. If, if this guy's passionate and trying to do something new and progress the art form, I right. think he should be rewarded. But 
it's usually the, not the case. I agree. So this Rod Man fellow, which I, I don't know, is that his birth name? I don't is, think so. I don't think so. The black folk, they, they tend to mix it up with the uh, stage names. Well, they're always having fun, and I think it's a good time to enjoy your life. I think it's smart to enjoy your life. You know, you got to be creative with it because at the end of the day, we're just biodegradable human compost, you know? <laughs> Felipe Esparza was the worst winner. That's who Felipe, I should have said. I, now, I never even heard of this See, guy. See, that's what I'm saying. If you win this and then you just take it and do nothing with it, that's a problem right. for me. Um. We talk a lot about, well, I talk a lot about media and things like that, not on this show as well, but mostly on Able Against Topham, my show on Cave Comedy Radio, which you got to check out if you haven't yet. Go give it a listen. What do you think uh, is the deal with reality uh, television, especially when it comes down to to this last comic standing show? Let's just stay with that. How do you feel as if they manipulated you? Do you feel like they manipulated you? What would be your thought process on the entire uh, situation that you're thrown into. I had a friend, his name was William, and uh, he never left Milwaukee, and he was, a, you know, he was 50 years old or so, and uh, he was passionate about stand-up, and he did it all over the country, and he did this thing where he would go to each town as they were auditioning for Last Comic Standing, and he would stand in line. Hmm. He would do the stand in line, and basically, for those that don't know, the stand the people standing in line will never be seen. Never to audition. The auditions are done through an agent, through a manager, and so these poor saps that stand in line are human props. They might as well be lampshades on the set of uh, uh, of uh, some you know bizarre soap opera where the doctor is having sex with a nurse, and it turns out the nurse has been a boy the whole time. So the basically, people standing in the line are solely there for the quick camera shot uh-huh. that shows like how how many people want to be the next big comic right. and they show it for a split second in the beginning of the show yes for last comic standing so that's one of the bullshit factors what is what was your personal experience did you come out uh did did you know what to expect going in were you expecting to be manipulated and if so did you feel like they uh they butchered you uh all right i got a lot of things first of all they got rid of the the man on the, the the line on the street. Oh, thank God! They got rid of which was nice. And when I did it, this is the Blasio's New York. They're probably all just sleeping there. Yeah, that's a little inside reference. There you go. Checking me out on Curtis and Kubi. <laughs> so uh, they got rid of that. And this, I did it two years ago, and they're like, "This is going to be the new last comic. No more hacks. No more bullshit. Actual funny's going to win." Yada yada yada. Right. So I was excited. I was like, "Hey, maybe now we're talking." And uh, I got to tell you, it's a real shim sham. They, uh, a We're couple calling it things. a shim sham. I'm calling it a shim sham. Whoa! The year I did it was a shim sham. <laughs> so uh, I go in, and first off, they said, "I hate to say this, but we're skewing urban this year." That was the first thing they told all of us. So what white woman came in? What was the color of the white woman that came in and told you that? Uh beige. I mean, uh, the hair color. Oh, okay, yeah. I'd say red, reddish. So immediately, all the white people are looking at each other like, oh, "What the fuck? Are we gonna?" They're going to hang out here? Like, what do we do now? Like, we know we're not going to win, so what right. do we do? So, you know, we're all just like, well, we'll try to do our best and get on TV. Second problem with it, half of the people there are are two years in and less. Right. Like, open micers where you're like, I got Mike Vecchione here. I got Kurt Metzger here. Mm-hmm. I got Mike Lawrence. I got Dan Sage. I got all these great established comics with big TV credits. And, like, Kurt Metzger's, you know, 18 years in or whatever the fuck. Vecchione's Kurt, yep. a, a veteran. Metzger currently writing for Amy Schumer's show, which we'll talk to about Amy Schumer uh, coming up here. Mark Norman uh, is a regular opener for Amy. Right. Um, but, yes, so obviously very, very successful people. So then, but then they got these kids going up who are just, they have like a catchphrase. They're two years in. They dress weird. They got a wacky mustache or right. crazy glasses. And they're on the same stage, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then second, the judges are Roseanne, who hasn't done a set since 1984. Right. Keenan Ivory Wayans, who was never a comic. And then Russell Peters, who, as you stated, 
does a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say the word hacky, but he does a lot of... Uh, Tradition, uh, less, less than creative comedy. Th- there you go. Broad, yeah. easy, whatever. Voices. Literally comedy that can be understood by somebody who doesn't speak English. There it doesn't is. speak the same language. And if he wasn't brown, he would be thrown into the PC pit, I call so, it. When, of course. Um, so when you show up, they tell you that they're skewing urban this year. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's got to be a kick in the nuts. <laughs> yeah, and, and imagine saying that about any other group. Right. Like, we're, we're skewing uh, white, so you guys pack it up, coloreds. Like that would get you thrown right. out of show business. Right, exactly. So why did you even go on at that point? Did you guys just look at each other and well, what you was- can still get some crazy exposure. You can still right. make it till the end. You're just not going to win, probably. So how do they go about uh, deciding the winner? Obviously, there is the fan vote, but it seems as if they already have this sort of predetermined winner in mind going in. Yeah. Do they uh, actually take into account the fan vote whatsoever? Or I think maybe. I'm not sure, but like uh they take you know what they take in the most is backstory. If you if right. your dad died in nine eleven, if your mom was eaten by sharks, if your mm. aunt is a, a tranny, you're in. That's right. big. And then they want to interview your aunt, they want to talk to your family. That helps a lot. What was the backstory that they chose with you? Uh I lied and said that I just got out of a crazy divorce. I'm trying to get my kids back. Because I was like, fuck you, you're going to be a shim-sham, I'll be a shim-sham. And so after every set, they would film me in the hallway like, I'm sorry, honey, just let me see Timmy. And they bought it. (laughs) (laughs) They bought it. Oh, my God, I love it. Yeah, hook, line, and sinker. I love that you could have lied and made up any backstory, but you made up the most reasonable one. Yeah, I tried to keep it. Just a divorcee who wants his kids back. Try to keep it somewhat realistic. Thank you. Oh, my God. (laughs) And uh, they loved that. And that's when I did the first round, I had a good set, and they were like, this is going to be great for your daughter and your son and all this. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, did you do that backstory because they, you knew they were skewing urban? Yeah. So you were like, well, I better break my family apart. Yeah, I and better. And then this will be a little bit more of a selling point. I'm white, yes. but I can at least have a uh, more of a Rod Man-esque backstory. Right. I got to have some kind of gimmick or I'm fucked. Right. <clears throat> right. So, uh, yeah, and then you see these open micers, like Greer Barnes got kicked out. Greer Barnes, a great uh, comedian, has been doing it for, what, 20 years 20 or so. years. Yeah. And, you know, but this one girl, I remember had a catchphrase, her catchphrase was like, suck these nuts. I love and it. she would say it like that, and it was super ironic, and she was a hipster. And she got through pretty far, and it's like, you see shit like that, and you're like, oh, is it is it at all new this year? Are you guys really going for it this year? Right. Oh, I thought it was going to be not hacky, blah, blah, blah. So, uh... That was all a real kick in the dick. And they would do things, and I have some theories about this. Let's they would, get into them. You, you all stay in the same hotel. Okay. And no one has a car. You're in L.A. The hotel is way up in the Burbank Hills. It's in the middle of hell. Uh-huh. No, nothing's around there except for Universal Studios. Oh, my goodness. I did John Lovett's Comedy Club over yes, there. Yes, it's right over yeah, there. okay. So uh, they would do a thing like, all right, everybody's got, we're having a meeting at 6 a.m., mm. and we're going to do all these paperwork signing and have some- what are you- are you going to hunt Osama? Are I, you the I, SEAL Team 6? Exactly. 6 a.m.? Yeah, because they want to get in your head. Then they go, all right, then at 3 p.m., we're meeting downstairs to drive over. We're going to drive over to Lovett's Comedy Club. I'm like, well, we could just walk. No, no, we're all driving. You're like, okay. Then you'd get to 3 p.m., they'd put you in a van, and then the driver would leave the van, and he'd be like, you can't get out of the van, don't leave the van. And he would leave you sitting in a hot van for like 45 minutes. And he would have a camera on you. And these are all things that get in your head. This is all like trying to get the heat going, you know, get the, right. the, the tension up. The manufactured yes. uh, they yeah, know what disagreements doing. and things like exactly. that. Exactly. So after 25 minutes in a van with uh, some 
Stinky comedians. Some stinky comedians and some chick from the Midwest who's, uh, you know, like a sassy, fat chick. And she's, right. what the fuck, motherfucker? You tell me I got to sit in the van. I got to get out of this bitch. You know, and you're like, hey, take it easy, Shaquanda. And she's like, don't tell me to take it easy. And you're like, oh, boy. And then it's just, the you know, the van is rocking and shaking. Right. And the producer watches as if he's the uh, the villain from Inspector Gadget. He just has an iron fist yes. petting a cat. And he's yeah. watching on some big screen in some right. uh, <laughs> random cave somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And he's got buttons like... Heat, put the heat up. You right, know? He's right, like Kristoff right. in uh, Truman Show. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, more sun, more sun. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, so uh, all so these they, little re- things. Yeah, so they really were going after you. Yeah, and they would bring uh, food into the green room. They're like, all right, you guys uh, are going to hang out here for a while, so we're going to bring some food in. And then they would bring just enough food for half the people. Oh. So if you didn't get the food quick, you were fucked. And then people were like, I didn't get any food. Like, well, that was all the food we have. So there was little things like that. Interesting. And, of course, that food was catered by the Wisconsin's very own Chinese, (laughs) Japanese, Thai restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's favorite. Uh Uh-huh. Put me in the fucking shitter. So they really just uh, force a fight. They just go by, like, what... Exactly how animals would get upset. Right. They're in a a, uh, isolated location in the middle of nowhere... In a small, confined to a small space in the with heat, not enough food to go around. You don't know each other. You're from racial, uh, different backgrounds, different economic class, different senses of comedy, different genders. Yes, they just throw an entire. That's the recipe for anarchy. Yeah, and they know what they're doing. They're very, they're very smart. They're very skilled with this so, reality shit. Can't you just get out of the van though? You probably could, but everybody, that's the thing. You want to win so bad, you want you don't want to push buttons. You don't want to rub anybody the wrong way. You don't want to be the guy like, oh, Mark got out of the van. Oh, really? Mark's got some issues. Uh-huh. He can't hang. He can't play. Right. So you're just so scared all the time. So these psychotic lunatics, it, it reminds me of the, um, I forget the university study. I believe it was the 70s, maybe the 80s, where half the students were for, uh, were the prison guards and the other half were the inmates. Uh-huh, I remember Basically, that. Uh, the, the prison guards just started treating the inmates, who were the exact same people. They were, the same, they were in the same class, and they started treating them very awfully. Um, because they were, you know, that that's now the roles that they're playing. Yeah. So they said, don't get out of the car. And in your mind, you're like, I'm, I am a, a character on a show. And the God of the show, the producer has told me to stay in the van. So I guess I'll just do it. Even though just, you know how to open the door. Yeah. But you're scared of being the guy who didn't cooperate. Right. That might hurt your chances of winning somehow. We talked a little bit before the show. I spent 25 hours in the tombs beneath Canal Street here in beautiful New York City. I'm a hardened criminal. Everybody knows it. But uh, an interesting dynamic there, going back to the prison guard analogy, I tried to be very nice to the prison guards or the jail guards or whatever. And uh, yes, sir, no, sir, all this nonsense. They're white trash from Staten Island. I wouldn't even look at them twice if I passed them on the street. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't take a sandwich from these people's hands. Right. Um, and then, of course, some people were just yelling at the uh, jail guards. And uh, you know what I found? We both got out at the exact same time. Ah, it doesn't matter. There you go. It doesn't matter. I'm sure you could have gotten out of that van. I'm sure. And I they would have been like Mark Norman. He's a rebel. We like we, oh, we like the cut of his jib. Who the hell right. knows? What do they say when you stop giving a fuck is when you get it? Sure. You know what I mean? And that's probably true. Look at Rodman. He doesn't care. He 50 bucks for a picture. He didn't give a shit, but where's he now? So um, that experience must have uh, did. Now, did you find during that week, how far did you go in the show? 
I got a, uh, you know, he gets knocked down at thirty, then ten. I think I was, I was eleven. So that's good. Yeah, it was all right. I got, a, I got a lot of press out of it, a lot right. of heat, whatever. And then you got to go and you got to headline some more comedy clubs and things sure. like that around the country. So overall, it was a beneficial thing for you. Yeah, and your tweets go up, and you know, people follow you, and you know, whatever, you get some exposure. Yeah. Did you get any flack from people? Were people uh, negative towards you online? Uh, I had one thing when I had food poisoning. I did the Puerto Rican joke. I have and. It, that got a little weird. But other than that, it was fine. Right, because you're not of the race that should be maybe making racial jokes. I'm sure R- Russell Peters jotted down every single word that you said and <laughs> is using it right now in India someplace. That's at some bizarre yeah. stage. That's the funny thing. It's like not an offensive joke at all. I just mentioned Puerto Ricans and people got mad. That, that's where we're at now. You just right. mentioned a race. I have a new joke in my act where I say, uh, this Chinese guy killed my mom. And somebody goes, hey, it's Asian American. My mom's dead. Like, what the fuck? Right, That's right, where right. we're at. There's no context. You can just right. say a race. Yeah. So uh, now you opened up for Amy Schumer for a long time before she had the Amy Schumer show and she yes. was a rising star and, and you were rising uh, right along with her. She obviously tells some edgy jokes. Now she's come out and apologized. Yeah, that was surprising. Um, what do you think about that? Would you, you know, we've known each other for a long time and uh, you've got some great, intelligent, well-written jokes that uh, sometimes do trigger warning, right. uh, you know, that sometimes trigger uh, people's uh, sensitive, uh, sensitivities. Um, would you ever think about, as you get more famous, and you will be, you know, a superstar, uh, uh, you're a celebrity now in your own right, but you're going to get more and more famous, and then with that fame, the microscope comes, and what does a microscope do? But it burns a bunch of ants. Um, <laughs> so as the spotlight shone, uh, shines on you more, people are going to become more critical of your material. Sure. Do you ever get concerned that you're crossing the line, or would you ever apologize for a joke that you've had in your past? I mean, I think at her level, you get these uh, these industry types, these agents, the money people. They're just doing the publicists. They're just saying, "Hey, like you got a movie coming out. Let's just put this shit under the rug and move on." I see. Because she's a uh, she's smart, and everybody knows she's not racist. Did you hear that whole thing? That whole thing about how. Uh, the guy who wrote the article about her never saw her act? Yeah, yeah. I think it was a chick that wrote the article. Yeah. But, yeah, never saw the that's, act. I mean, it's just nonsense. That's appalling. Like, yeah, That yeah. woman should be fired. She should be fucking flogged on, can the, you on imagine, the sidewalk. Can you imagine if someone did that with a restaurant review? Exactly. If they went and they were just like, we're steak in town. Right. I, I only eat at Applebee's. Yeah, you know? but we're comics, so no one gives a shit. And that's what pissed me off the most is when you call somebody a racist or a piece of shit or a misogynist, and then they find out that they're not. No one ever apologizes. No one ever goes, sorry, right. we called you this terrible thing, which just proves that they just want that, I'm the hero, I called him out. They don't right. care about justice. Oh, and they, the, uh, they want to be the guy who called you out. For those that don't know uh, the reference, uh, Google, I don't know, Amy Schumer racist article or something like this. The uh, the article is unbelievably offensive as as black Parents bury their children oh, in uh, in um, Charleston. in Charleston. I mean, they brought in issues that are so much larger than a couple of jokes where Amy Schumer is talking about fucking black dudes. Right, um, right. So, but now, obviously, with that experience, you've seen Amy go through that. Do you have any? Do you, is there any joke that you would even consider? Um, Allowing somebody to be uh, that you would take off the shelves, that you would be like, all right, I'm not going to do that joke anymore because such and such. For her? For you. Oh, for me. I mean, uh, I'm not anywhere near her level, so I still can get away with maybe saying some kookier stuff. Right. I don't have any, like, I... I'm one of these guys who's scared of them, the the press. I'm scared of like people calling me these names. So I'll I'll do a joke and I'll get off stage and be like, Hey, Michael Che, was that offensive to you? You're black or hey, 
Damien Lemon, was that offensive? Or, hey, lady, or hey, girl yeah. comic. Uh, and I add them, they go, no, no, no. So I, I try to keep an eye on it, but nowadays, who the fuck knows? I mean, you can get in trouble for saying, so this guy in a wheelchair, people are like, whoa! I'm like, well, I didn't say anything bad yet. Why has it got to be a guy? Yeah, exactly. You know? There you go. Yeah, you can find any reason on the face of the planet to be upset about something because, uh, you know, words describe events that are real. Yeah. And then you can just be like, well, I had an event, uh, event that was similar. Yeah, yeah, My exactly. My great-great-uncle was in a wheelchair. Let's talk about Teddy Roosevelt, right, shall we? Right, right. Well, now, it's like Bill Burr yeah. says. He has a great quote. He says, uh, I realized late in, in my career that when I tell a joke, it gets cut with your fucked-up childhood and your weird brain. Right. So, like... Whatever, I don't know how you're going to process it, but this is what I meant. So don't change it with your shitty thoughts. Right, right, right. Have you ever had a situation on stage uh, as you cr- uh, travel across the country? First of all, what do you think is the most politically correct or sensitive area of the country? I don't know. Brooklyn? You think Brooklyn, New York? Brooklyn's pretty Hipster bad. Hipster Brooklyn. Hipster Brooklyn, yeah. yeah. Uh, L.A.'s touchy. Yeah, LA, any any of these now, big are, entertainment cities. What are some of the? What would you say is there a difference between the sensitivities of New York and LA, or are they sensitive about the same things? Same thing. It's all buzzwords. It's all just what we're these trigger words like. Oh, is that we're not we're supposed to not like that? Okay, yeah. It's all just sheep people, you know, right. just being like that's bad. Okay, got it. Right. Yeah, but no one cares. Then you go to a barbecue and everybody's saying these horrible things. But then you go back to your job on Monday and everybody's like, well, you said that about Asians? Oh, my God. And you're like, right. shut the fuck up. We yeah. all know what's going on. Well, you know, it's very difficult being a creative in New York with the exact same tractor tattoo as the person sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's the one irony that you see as you get older, such as I have. Um, you begin to see the people that are so-called creatives. They all dress the exact same. They're, there's nothing creative about them. Right. Well, it just bums me out when you... When Caitlyn Jenner thing happens, and right. I don't give a shit, you know, she wants to do that, great, whatever. But you, you see on Facebook, she's such a hero, I'm so proud of her, uh, yeah. and then you get alone with them, and they're like, what a nut job, huh? And you're like, well, wait a minute, what's going on now? Everybody's too to, scared to yeah. say what they want. It's. You know. I talked about the Caitlyn Jenner situation at length on Abling and Top at my show on, uh, on Cave Comedy Radio, check it out. Um, but, you know, first of all, she's a murderer. Well, she did kill a lady. Yeah. She killed a lady when she was driving and texting. But, of course, I do think there might be a bit of a theory that perhaps the transgendered situation was simply to get out of the out of the uh, accident. Oh. She could be like, that was Bruce. I am Caitlin. Bruce did that. <laughs> Nothing to do with me at all. Right, right. You know. <laughs> that's, that's a theory. But it is, uh, you know, there was a woman in the 1930s. She was the first transgendered woman. And I'm forgetting her name now off the top of my head. Uh, I think it's something. It's something like Oboe or something. Ooh. I don't know. I forget. But she's a hero. Yeah, you know she had the first. She had the first surgery ever. She got her penis inverted. The whole thing. And uh, and this was in the 1930s in Germany. Not the most liberal place on the face of the planet. Yes. She went through hell. Yes. You know these. There were real heroes. You know she's uh, Caitlyn Jenner getting honored at the ESPYS. It's it's nonsense because the people who actually struggle, I talked about it at length, so I won't get into it now, but there are people who struggle every single day who don't have the money, who haven't been able to monetize it yeah. into a $500 million reality show. Those are the heroes. Yes. If, you know, I know a lot Good of trans point. people. My brother, uh, uh, Eric Bean, uh, well, he's a cross-dresser, but he knows a lot of different trans people. My middle brother does as well. Um, and they they all they are they're upset by it. They don't like it. Oh really? It's a ba- yeah, because it's she didn't do it. She made money off of it. Uh-huh. She's not a hero. She's the one who she she is the first person 
to become trans and get rewarded. Ah, Every other trans person has had to suffer. That's a great point. She's not the hero. Anyway, um, that they made her out to be. It's all, it's a, it's a, it's all, it's whatever. It's a media creation. So um, what was, what's some of your favorite places to play across the country? Uh, well, Madison, Wisconsin is a oh, hell of the a best. club. I uh, did my album there. Yeah. And uh, boy, that's a great club. I love Helium in Philly. I love uh, ooh, San Francisco Punchline. Uh, yeah, Comedy Attic is great in Bloomington. It's, and anytime, a great club. Uh, what was one of the worst heckles you ever had? Have you ever gotten somebody so upset with one of your jokes, which is so funny that people just get full of rage yeah. over uh, you know some little well, joke? I, I got a heckle. I've, I've only gotten heckled a few times with like PC shit. Okay, uh, and I always try to just break it down with the person because I just want to understand. I just want them to be like. I want them to get what I'm saying. Right. Don't just hear words and shut me out. Um, but the worst heckle I ever got was in Florida. I was doing a college, and I flew down there. It was my first college ever. And I get there, and I, it's all black. I'm the only white guy, and which is fine. I don't care. But this uh, the lady, the producer lady, was like, uh, hey, just letting you know it's a little diverse. I'm like, well, it's not diverse. It's all black. Right. I'm the diversity. And I had to follow a rap group that was like, Swinging shirts over the head, like, kill Whitey, yeah, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, great. So I go up, and as I'm walking on stage, I grab the microphone, and this guy yells out, look at this fag, which gets a huge laugh. I haven't even gotten the mic in my hand right, yet. Right, right. And then I'm in such a New York state of mind that I was like, hey, what if I was actually gay? Like, that would really hurt my feelings. And he goes, no, no, you are. And that <laughs> got, like, a four-minute applause break. Right, and right, And then right. I have to do an hour after that. Uh, so oh that was the worst because it was a heckle before I said anything. Right. So you that's pretty have, tough. Yeah. And he's already killing harder than me, and I haven't even gotten into my my shitty jokes yet. How'd the set go? How'd the hour oh, it was go? Terrible, terrible. Yeah. Brutal. Set. Brutal. Just just me sweating, and eventually I was just pleading with him like, "Guy, this usually works. I'm sorry. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> I don't know how we got off on the wrong foot. You know." But then the worst show Reese, I had this uh. recently. This guy saw me at the cellar, and he goes, "Hey, man, big fan." You gotta come uh, do do my corporate, do like my uh, whatever party for my office, and I was like, sure. It was like three grand. I was like, I, I, I'm in. He's like, it's in a, it's gonna be at a golf course upstate. I'll pay for your travel. It's gonna be nuts. Mm-hmm. Rolling hills, you know, polo shirts, whole thing. Why do I have a feeling this ends with ass to ass, and they're throwing <laughs> dollar bills at you? I wish it did. <laughs> so uh, I get up there, and it's. Beautiful greens. Every car in the in the parking lot's like Ferrari, Jag, Ferrari, Beamer, Jag. Uh, what do you call it? Maserati? All this yeah. shit. And I was like, oh my god. So I get in there, and the guy had emailed me earlier. Is like, I want you to roast the staff up front. This Ugh. is like some hedge fund company. These guys are loaded. Right. And I was like, sure, great. I just need some dirt. And he's like, all right. So he gives me all this dirt, and it's like heavy shit, like real dirt. This isn't like Bob's fat. It's like right. crazy life shit. So I get up there and it's like 500 people. This big, they're all eating. You know, waiters in black ties serving them on fucking fine china. And they're all the guy's like ding 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 hits the glass and he's like, we got a big treat. This guy I saw him at the cellar. He's he's one of my favorite comics. He's gonna he's gonna roast us. And they're all like, oh boy, okay. And I go up there and I'm reading off the sheet he gave me. And I go, all right, hey, where's Joe? Hey, Joe. <laughs> Hey, you still cheating on your wife, you fucking scumbag? And the place is just like, (laughs) (laughs) Joe's wife is sitting next to him. He's giving me the neck cut. Like, what are you doing, you fucking weirdo? And I was like, ah, get out of here. Like, I was like, all right, the first one didn't work, but I got a whole page here. I'm going to kill this crowd. And then I go, hey, Billy, you still hooked on Coke? We all know you do it at the office, you fucking bug-eyed addict. And everybody's like, 
He does coke. Oh my god! The whole place is gasping. People are leaving, and uh, women are crying. Oh, oh, it was brutal, and just everything was that harsh. Like, yeah. ah, the boss. <laughs> yeah, we all know you get those hookers, you know. And uh, I just, I had to do an act, like half an hour after that. So I just like went into my act when I started realizing how serious the situation was. Right. And uh, that, of course, that didn't help. And then I had to eat dinner alone, and the guy was like, I'll get you your check, hang on. And I just had to sit back there, and people were just glaring at me. And uh, eventually got me my check, and I ran the fuck out of there. Yeah, so at least he paid you, though. Yeah, he paid me. And yeah. It was weird, because he was mad at me. He was like, what the hell happened up there, huh? Jeez, that's going to be weird on Monday. I'm like, fuck you, you gave me the, you gave me the goods. Right, right, right. I went off your shit. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's more difficult. People oftentimes, they say that they like comedy, but they don't know what that means. Exactly. So you have to show them what is funny, and then they'll, they will they understand. But they, they at no point should they ever help you write. No. Or come no. up with ideas for you. Just take it on your own. Yeah, he, he thought telling me that his boss gets hookers would murder, and then when it didn't murder, he thought it was my fault. He's not funny. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, yeah. But- your boss getting prostitutes with his wife there, like, why would you want me to say that? Right. But I just was like, this is what you're giving me. It must be open game, but yeah. This is what happens when you have your, when you have a middle manager be your uh, ghostwriter. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, it, it can't <laughs> help. It can't help at all. That's for sure. So you grew up, you're, uh, you, you're from New Orleans, and you came here yes. with a group of people as, as well. It was you, uh, Sean Patton. Yep. And uh, what was it? The Real Deal Holy Squeal. Neil Stasny. Neil Stasny. Yeah. Love Neil Stasny. So you came here with a group of people. Zach Sims was the other one. And Zach Sims, yeah. A, a great guy. I actually saw him having sex once. Yeah, really? Uh, yeah. Was yeah. I there? Uh, maybe. We were actually looking through the door together. I th- was it in Bushwick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, that a, was us. With, a, with a With a gal there. Abigailia. Well, we, yeah. uh, that was a mistake. All right. Um, that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so how was that? How was that New Orleans community? Uh, it was odd. It was only weird because comedy there is such a foreign, weird thing. It's a jazz town. It's a right. booze town. Uh, so it was weird starting in New Orleans, and also I was so green that I didn't know anything about comedy. Like when I started going back to New Orleans after living in New York, I was like, "Ah, oh, this town is not great for comedy. Holy shit, it's not not a good scene here." But uh, at the time, it was just fun. We would get drunk. We were I was. 21, 22, you know, I was a piece of shit, like a feral child just running around New Orleans trying to get laid and get drunk. So right. we would just scribble shit in a notebook and then say it on stage and then after be like, all right, we did it. Let's go drink. That was crazy. And that yeah. was our that was our comedy world. And then eventually Patton moved to New York and he was like, you guys should come up. It's unbelievable. I'm at this place, the Creek in the Cave. You can get up every night mm-hmm. and, you know, it's such a great city. And so we're like, let's do it. And I had nothing going on in my life. I was rudderless. So I fucking, I went up. Me and Zach got an apartment in Crown Heights. Nice. I got mugged three times in a year. How'd that go for you? Hey, you know, as good as a mugging can go. Yeah. I got some fun stories. Uh, once I woke up in a, uh, like an alcove, like a doorway in Hell's Kitchen and I was like, you know, five in the morning, the sun was coming up, and there was four guys standing above me, and one of them goes, he's waking up! And he just hit me in the face, and I went back out, and I woke up, and all my pockets were empty. Uh, did, were you sleeping there, or did they I knock was, you out previously? I was blackout drunk. I see. I was a re- real booze bag, and that was, that was, I was a sitting duck. It was mostly my fault. Right, 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 right. One time was pretty crazy. I was walking down, I lived in Crown Heights, so the train would just go bananas after like three in the morning. We're like, we're going to take whatever route we want. Right. And you're like, all right. So I just got off in the middle of hell, and I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll walk it. And I put my white earbuds in, which is a big red flag, ah. and I'm listening to like Billy Joel or some shit, and I'm walking down, and I see five guys on the corner just 
being really loud and shouting and jumping around and shooting dice and everything, just being real rowdy. And uh, I was like, oh, I'll cross the street, avoid these guys. So I'm walking on the other side of the street. There's an older guy coming towards me, probably 65, 60 years old, gray beard. And he gets right in front of me, and he goes, give me that fucking radio. And I was so drunk that I remember saying, what? It's not a radio. Because I thought right. that would sway him. Like He would be like, oh, shit, sorry, okay, I want yeah. a radio. And he goes, fuck you, and he just grabs it, and he's pulling at it. So now I'm like holding his arm, like trying to get his arm off me, and then he picks me up like out of a superhero movie, my feet right. are dangling, and he's banging me against like when a business closes, the metal gate thing. Right, right, right. Just, and it's like, pow, it sounds like thunder, and I'm punching him in the face, kicking him and everything, <laughs> and he's not budging. This guy's like, un- he's like unreal how strong he was. And uh, I'm squealing and everything. Before I know it, those yeah. five guys run over and beat the shit out of him. I'm talking, this guy's on the floor. They're kicking him in the face, stomping on this him. This poor geriatric, well, not poor, yeah. but this geriatric man. Yeah, and I pick, my iPod hits the ground. I pick it up, and I was like, ah, uh, and I just ran off, and I ran home. So they saved they you. They saved me. So Maybe can- it was the same guys who punched you in the face in Hell's Kitchen. I don't think so. No, different. Those were a different crew. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I talked to a cop about it like a year later. I was like, what do you think that was about? And they go, oh, it was obviously a drug. They're drug turf. They can't have some white kid get beat up. That's going to cause a lot of cop attention. Ah. And they don't want to lose their turf, their their selling spot. Right, right, right. So that was that. So you were mugged a few times here in New York City, but you yeah. kept on going. And now you, you have a, a much nicer area where you're living. Yeah, I really moved up the ranks. I went from Crown Heights to Bushwick. I was yeah. like, Zach, we got to get out of here. Zach was, he was a virgin, he was sober, and he was 18 or 19. So he was, like, terrified. This wow. is a huge culture. She came from the sticks in Louisiana. Right, right. And uh, he was a, such a devout Baptist that he would pray in front of the TV on Sunday mornings. He would pray in front of the TV. Like, Nothing more American than that. Well, like the televangelist would right. be on. Yeah, and he would just sit, kneel in front of it and do his whole bullshit. And I'd be hung over, like, ah, can you turn that down? I'm trying to sleep in here. And he was like, how the hell will be thy name? Thy kingdom come? And I was like, all right, cool. And uh, cut to two years later, he's smoking smoking pot, trying to get laid uh, right. at every chance he can get. That's what the city will do to you. That's right. But that's, yeah, yeah. So then correct. we moved to Bushwick, mm-hmm. which was heaven compared to Crown Heights. Right. A, a lot of comics around. There's parties every night. We're all having a great time. Got bed bugs. Had to move from there. Bed bugs, for those that don't know, in New York City, bed bugs are worse than the plague. You can tell people that you have uh, any disease on the face of the planet. They'll hug you, they'll hold you, and they'll, they'll, they'll comfort you. You told me you have bed bugs. They, they, they will literally put you in a plastic bag and uh, hope that you die soon. Yeah. They yeah. hate bed bugs. Bed bugs are the worst thing that ever happened to anybody in New York City. The you worst. tell anyone if you want a relationship, uh, and that relationship is doomed immediately if yeah. you find out that person has bed bugs. It could be the most beautiful woman on the face of the planet who comes from money, who just wants to give you the entire world. You find out she has bed bugs, it's all over. I'm with you. I I I got an exterminator, didn't kill him. Right. I got a new bed, still there. I vacuumed everything. I washed everything I own. I got rid of all my sheets. Mm-hmm. Still there. I just eventually moved. I respect bed bugs. They don't pay rent. They just live where they want to. <laughs> they take all your shit. They're just like bad kids. Yeah, they do what they want. That's it. Yeah, and I, I moved I, on MySpace. Rob O'Reilly, of all people, said, hey, I need a roommate, 800 bucks. And I was like, well, that's pretty steep. But I said, fuck it. I'll do it. 
And I yeah. moved to the East Village in a closet. Who are some of the people that you've worked with now um, that you just were like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Obviously, opening for Amy Schumer is amazing. Um, but who are somebody else that you met and you're like, I'm a comedian. I'm officially I'm uh, officially a comedian because now I'm, I'm working with David Tell. I know I did a show recently over at UCB East, uh, a great uh, comedy club here in New York City in the East Village. And uh, Louis C.K. showed up. And it was one of those things where it's just like, it's great. Technically, I open for him. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, oh, this is so fun. You know, you just get to see Louis, and uh, and it happens all the time in New York. But was there one moment in particular uh, where you're just like, wow, I'm really doing it? I've had a few of those. I don't know how much time we have. We have plenty of time. Well, recently I did the Miami Comedy Festival, and I there's this big, I guess it's called the Fillmore Theater, but the Fillmore has three rooms. They have like a giant arena. They have the big theater, and then they have the little room. And I was playing the little room. Probably seated 100 people, which was perfect for me. Yeah. And then I walk over. Bill Burr's in the uh, the big theater. I was like, great. I watch Bill Burr. And somebody's like, let's check out the main theater. I go in the main theater. Dave Chappelle. Jesus. So I just got to go watch Bill Burr for half an hour, go watch Chappelle for an hour, go back to Burr. And then we all went to a, a nightclub after, and Chappelle paid for everything, picked up the tab, and it was just open champagne, bar, VIP right. all night. So that was amazing. Uh, I've opened for I opened with Craig Robinson, 8,000 seats. He is the coolest guy on the planet, by yeah. the way. He's the best guy ever. Uh, then we went to the hotel bar after, and he hit on the waitress for like four hours and told me all these great comedy stories. Got drunk with him. It was great. So he's awesome. Uh, so going back to Chappelle, now what do you think about him? Uh, what's your perspective? Because a lot of the media, you know, obviously they said he was crazy uh, for turning down the $50 million for Comedy Central a couple of years back now with the Chappelle show. That is because Viacom came out, bought, bought out Comedy Central. They changed all the executives and he hated all of them. So he's like, you know, get out of here. I'm just going to go because uh, he didn't like any anyone that was working there anymore. Right. Um, but obviously now he has some major problems because he goes on stage and people yell out, uh, I'm Rick James, bitch, or, uh -huh. uh, you know, he talks about, uh, you know, whatever. Um, I forget all the catchphrases that people were just screaming for fucking years as that show yeah, was out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but he doesn't like that so much. What no. do you think? Uh, why do you think that is? I, my theory with Chappelle is that he is not the person. Neil Brennan wrote that show with him. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Chappelle was necessarily that kind. Uh, the sketches were sketches. That wasn't him. Yeah. And I think a lot of the uh, perspectives that that show uh, put out there weren't necessarily his either. Uh -huh. So I feel like there's a small identity crisis between Chappelle as a person and then the show, the Chappelle show, which wasn't really representative of his actual values. So then when you have people ah. reflecting what the show was back at him, uh, I think that leads to some of the um, some of the uh, angst and the anger when it comes to, uh, you know, the crowds heckling him. What do you think is the issue with Chappelle or is there an issue with Chappelle? It's, it's, it, I think and there's, there is not an issue with Chappelle. But the but the uh, reception that he gets in some places. Yeah, well, I think he's on that. He's like so famous, and he's got all these catchphrases, and people like him so much. And that show is so big. Yeah, that show was she was like a, what, a cultural phenomenon. Like I'm rich, bitch, and Rick James, and all that shit. Uh, I think people are just so excited to see him, and they think they're his friend. And right, it's a combination of that, and then we live in a world now where it's me, me, me. Everybody thinks they're important, and there's right. this self entitlement is out of out of control in this country. Uh, and I think they're what they didn't have that ten years ago, and now a, a nineteen year old's been watching his DVDs all night, every night, and thinks he's a Chappelle show friend of the show so he sees Chappelle and he's like hey Chappelle it's me I'm Rick James bitch you know what the fuck ah, and, and it's not gonna work right and, and he's not gonna do anymore and 
I, here's a funny, a fun story. Chris Rock did a Whiplash recently, mm-hmm. which is like I don't know if you know. If you don't know, it's this free show. It's in a basement. It's an amazing show, and it's like full of NYU kids. It happens every Monday at eleven. Bet one of the best shows in the city, and Chris Rock popped in, which was like legendary. And everybody pulled their phone out, and he right. goes, "Excuse me, guys, I just want to work on some shit. I'm doing SNL tomorrow. Like, let me just, can we just let me work on this and not film me? I don't want you to put this on YouTube." And everybody's like, "Okay, fine." They were bummed, but they put their phones away, mm-hmm. and one fucking guy in the front row tried to sneak it like under his shirt and just film him. And he goes, "Dude, I see you." And Chris Rock put the microphone on the stool and walked out. Right. So he didn't even perform, and everybody hated that guy, and they just turned on the guy, and the guy was like, I'm sorry, I fucked it up, and he walked out. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is, and the host right. was Julian McCullough. He came out, and he goes, you see, you guys couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. Your generation can't not get what they want, and and you, you're, you, you've never been told no before. You've right. never taught a lesson, and that, I'm glad he walked out because you deserve it. You're all pieces of shit. And that was that's what it is. Right. It's the same thing with Chappelle at the at the Oddball Fest when these guys kept yelling out. It's these. It's this new generation who just think it's me. Why? Come on, I can do what I want. Right. It's me. Don't you love me? Right. That's what How I do think. How do you think technology? We had uh, we have we've had like Ben Cronenberg and some other people very very good with like Twitter and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, what do you think is one of the benefits of? Is, is there a benefit to? Uh, the technology to the uh, Twitter and, and social oh, media, or do sure. you think it? Okay, what's the benefit? And then I want to hear also because I love to get this perspective from comics uh, who go on the road regularly. What's the negative of it? Well, the negative is it's a lot of comic. There's, there's a lot here, but I think it's Twitter is basically like a, a, your own mailing list. Right. You know, you have all these followers, and you just tweet out what you're doing, and boom, you got your it's you're out there, you're exposed. It's great. Uh, but then the the downfall is people can just come into your living room and go, hey, I saw your special. It sucked. Right. You sucked. I want to kill you. You're fat. You look like shit. You're gross. You should die. And uh, luckily, you can just block those people. But this is the part comics won't admit. Comics like to go on their YouTube wall and read all the nice comments. Right. You know? And then they see that one bad one, and they they focus only on that. But no no comic will admit. They, they just... They love all the the compliments, but they can't take the insults. Well, you know, I think there's something with loving the compliments, but also just being like, yeah, I mean, that's just truth. Yeah, you know, yeah. So it doesn't yeah. even like weigh that right. much. You're just like, well, a bunch of people telling the honest truth there, <laughs> and then one person is like, you're fat and you're worthless, and you're like, yeah. what the fuck happened? Exactly. That's the thing. They won't admit to that. Right. They, right. they think, oh, all these comments, these nice comments, well, how come those are all true, but the mean ones aren't? So what you do you know? think about, you know, I mean, I think the term gets... Um, Abused a little bit, and uh, it sort of has just become such a cliche to even say, but the PC culture, right? We can talk yeah. about like political correctness gone crazy, um, and it has in a lot of uh, a lot of uh, places. But uh, do you think that comedy is actually in a real state of peril when it comes to political correctness, or do you think this ironically actually opens up? the uh, floodgates for uh, more of a contrarian point of view, you know, with, with all the sensitivity uh, of the youth, with all the, you know, really just the institutional uh, moronic thinking that is happening in our university system. These kids are just going in pain to get indoctrinated. It's a perfect government plan. Right, right. I don't want to start talking like uh, like Alex Jones, but these <laughs> kids are literally just paying hand over foot to be become dumber and dumber. Uh-huh. Um, I'm gonna, there's nothing more aggravating than people who just go for a specific study that's like, I'm going for a, uh, I'm studying six foot seven redheads from yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah uh, That's exactly. my new degree. I just made it up. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on, 
on the political correctness of of comedy? Do you think it's actually a systemic problem that isn't going away? Or do you think actually comedy now has the ability to fight back? Because the majority of the population, I do think, are sick of people being upset. You think so? I think so. I hope you're right. I mean, when... What uh, Newt Gingrich was able to coin in 96, the uh, the silent majority, right? Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's just the people who, their, their voices are heard at the polls. The people who are yelling the most to these people on Twitter and, uh, and social media. Also keep in mind, uh, you know, Twitter's been around for, what, five years? It's a baby. Everyone on it is still a baby. Like, there's not a lot of, like, right. 70-year-old sages right, on Twitter. Right, yeah. Um, occasionally, obviously, but, you know, not really. So I think there's a just, it's, it's youth that is driving Twitter, and youth is often, by nature, not going to be as intelligent because they don't have the worldly experience yet. Right. Do you think that comedy has a responsibility to sort of break down that kind of political correctness and to uh, shed light on, you know, we're all, we, there is differences between people, and it's great. Yeah, I, I have a, a couple things on that. One, I think it, the PC thing is a problem. Uh, I think PC is great. You want to make people feel better and not hurt people's feelings. I'm all for that. That's right. great. Let's have diversity and all get along. Great. But uh, like calling somebody a tranny might be hurtful. So, okay, if it hurts you, we'll, we'll work on that. Saying this movie was gay as a negative, I think that's bad. They, uh, gay people are people, too. We shouldn't. They, their group shouldn't be an insult. You know. I, so, great. Let's work on that. But when like Jerry Seinfeld is talking about how he won't do colleges because they're too PC – and then comics are backlashing like, fuck you, you're out of touch. Right. No, no, fuck you. First of all, Chris Rock said it a year ago and no one jumped down his throat. It's only because Seinfeld's a rich white guy. Right. That's a big part of it that no one wants to admit. But uh, two, it's crazy because they're just, it's not real. No one cares about the justice. They just want to look like a hero too. Right. Yeah, that is misogynist. I- I'm, all, I'm with you. No, you're not. You just want to be on the bandwagon. Right. You don't actually care. So that's what really bugs me. But uh, I think the PC thing is out of control because it's phony. That's why it right. bothers comics. And and my other thing is, yeah. sorry, like if saying you're offended doesn't mean anything. Why? Right. why it's like saying ah, I'm hot or ah, my foot hurts. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're offended. Sorry, great. Move on. Go back to work. That's right. it. Like it shouldn't be. I'm offended. Now fire that guy. How is that better? You want a guy to get fired because you were bothered by a joke? Right. By by word, so now this guy has to lose his job. That's that's so backwards. That right. is way more damaging than a, a rape joke or whatever the fuck. And yeah. like, how come no one ever turns it inward? No one ever goes, "Wow, that joke really offended me." I am pretty weak. Right. I'm a weak guy. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm bothered by words. I got to step it up. I gotta, I'm living out in a world. People are masturbating on the trains, and your jokes are bothering you. Right. Who get people are? Have you ever gone on Twitter and typed in "nigger" in a in what it quotes? No, I can't say I have. It's insane. Okay. It's insane. Like the middle of the country, everybody in the South, they're all just saying, this guy got voted president, N-word, N-word, N-word. Right. It's like, go after that. Right. You're only attacking comedians because it's easy. Right. Go after these people who are just saying these horrific things or people who are molesting kids or raping people or whatever. Right. That's the problem. Don't yeah. go at comedians. It's so easy to blog. Hey, Jim Norton said this. Who right. gives a shit? Right. It's a joke. They also have the audacity to equate comedians to people in positions yes. of massive power. Yes, right? I wish. We're not running for, no one's running for president. Right, right, exactly. You know? I'm with you, I'm with you. And we're just trying to tell jokes, we're just trying to make people happy, and we're trying to make light of these situations, Right. which is the ironic thing. Everybody's like, hey, 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 I, my my aunt was molested. Okay, well, let's, let's joke about it. Or right. don't come to a comedy club. 
like how come there's movies there's a lot of movies with these horrific images and everything and nobody goes oh that director he uh, he hates women or right. that director is a racist uh, you know it's like well i mean they do get it though as well i know with they? like django unchained tarantino had a massive feud with uh uh spike lee was very uh, okay. upset with his use okay. of the n-word in that and stuff like uh you know making a spaghetti western dealing right. with slavery and obviously right. it was a taboo subject that was I mean, it's a great movie. Django is phenomenal. I like Django. Um, Christopher Waltz. Oh, he's the he's the best. He's Jamie Foxx, phenomenal. Samuel yeah. L, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is great. So it it does come from all sides uh, and all forms. But isn't it? Do you feel as if art is the first one to take it on the chin? Yeah, because art is the first one to say it. Right. I think uh, that's our whole thing: is expression, expression, expression. So like, uh, yeah, I, I think. I, but I just it bugs me because I think it's it's mostly fake. I think it's mostly like I want to sound like I'm one of the good guys, right? So I'm gonna cut you down. What and now when you say fake, one of the good guys, that tends to be um, a white thing. White people love to hate other white people who yes. then they who they deem to be it, offensive right. or or intolerant of another group, so then they can diversify themselves. Right. The, the problem with white people often is, you know, I was just hanging out with my friend the other day, and she's, you know, her husband is a very very successful job, and she's depressed, and I was like, why are you depressed? She's like, I'm just because he's her husband's on the road for three weeks, and she's depressed because she's in a mansion in Brooklyn alone, <laughs> and I was like, this is not a problem. Yeah, this is. I would love to be in a mansion alone with right, a dog. Right. You know. Um, but uh, oftentimes white people, this is why they get covered in tattoos and things uh-huh. like that. They try to make themselves look um, special, like, a, like which is also, I do believe this is also a little bit of a white privilege thing where white people have the ability to create their own persona. Yes. As yes. Society doesn't brand them something. Right, but it, it's also an emptiness. Like, I, right. I, I got to need something. I got nothing here. I'm white. I'm boring. I'm vanilla. Right. You know, you, you have black. You're already, you already got a jumping off point. Right. Or you have Hispanic or Asian. You know, you're, you're different already. Right. It's funny because black people are all, I think, insecure sometimes about being the minority and different, and then white people are insecure about being the majority. Right. If we could all just come together and actually uh, talk it out, we might get along more, but everybody's too scared to talk it out. Have you ever actually angered somebody that wasn't white? I'm sure I have. Uh, Any heckle or anything like that? Or was it is it mostly white um, so-called righteous indignation when they get upset with something that they because white people are very quick to pers- you, you're racist until proven otherwise yeah yeah right? yeah it's it's probably 99.5 percent white heckling with me right but i've said like the only thing i really get a lot with minorities is like so this puerto rican guy and a puerto rican guy will be like hey, hey hey watch it right And i'm like well that's kind of fucked up on your part because i haven't said anything bad yet and you're assuming i will because i'm white which is a form of racism you know, you're yeah. profiling me like, hey, what's this white guy going to say about us? Well, who says it's going to be bad? Right. I only think it's going to be bad because I'm white. Because right. we have a history of racism. But, hey, certain groups have a history with this and that. But if you call them out, you get in trouble. But it, I feel like white is the only group where if you call out their stereotypes, you're progressive. You know, you call out any other group's stereotypes and you look like a bigot. You right. call out whitey stereotypes and you look... You actually look uh, open-minded. You're a hero. Yeah. There was an article written by David uh, Brooks. He's a kind of a conservative column. I guess conservative technically. He's a columnist, often writes editorials for the New York Times, and he was discussing um, 
a uh, a documentary that he or, or he uh, I believe it was a documentary that he saw. Anyway, it was about race. He came from the white perspective. He was you know just discussing it, um, race from the white point of view. And people on Twitter, our friend Molly Neffel, who's on a great show called Page Seven on Cave Comedy Radio, check that out. She you know blasted him on Twitter. Everyone blasted him on Twitter. And then I read this article on Salon, which is just a series of tweets making fun of this guy's article i go and i read the article it's it's a massive article it's like three thousand words it's beautifully done uh regardless if i don't like what he said or not whatever it doesn't matter but i think it's so funny that people are just you know kicking at the cornerstone of people's arguments who took a lot of time to write a thought-out response to something that they saw and they're just doing it with 140 characters or less and they're getting the same amount of uh applause oh wow yeah you know they get the same amount of uh, exposure as somebody who really went out there and took hours and hours right. and, and had creative thought. That's interesting. And uh, and and actually put a project out. Well, what's his message? Which is like, oh, he was just statement. talking about you know racial issues. I didn't really uh, get that much into it, um, but he was just discussing how uh, you know uh, no one really discusses race uh, in a proper way. Everything is ironically enough shut down. Uh, very quickly when a white person begins to discuss race. And then, of course, ironically enough, that's sort of exactly what happened uh, with him. That's the funny thing. It's, it's Seinfeld had the same thing when he talked about everybody being too sensitive. Everybody jumped down his throat, and it's like, you're proving his point, you idiots. Right. Look at you all just jumping on the bandwagon right now. This is what he's talking about. Right. But that's another thing. It's like I feel like nowadays you you just can't talk about another race. If you're white, you just can't do it. That We just have to accept that. That's the the – country we're living in right now but well now why can't you well, i mean why i'm saying that you can but right. people uh, you know these these people on twitter will attack you but, but my point is if you can't talk about these other minorities it's kind of all getting funneled to white like like first of all right. obama colin quinn has this point obama is the first black president and he's the first president we've we haven't made fun of on late night Gerald Ford, Reagan, Bush, right. every late night joke was just like, how about this idiot, huh? Blah, 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 Bush. Mm-hmm. And it was like a punchline. It was great. And that's how it's always been. Even in the 50s, they made fun of Truman and whoever the fuck. Right. And uh, it's just, we make fun of our president, but they don't make fun of Obama because he's black. So if a, a Well, comic, because they're worried about the backlash about of the them backlash. being called racist, regardless of the fact if you have some really uh, differing policy ideas. Yeah, yeah. Right. What, but it's like now we're being racist ultimately because we're treating him differently because he's black. But if you did make fun of him, you'd be called a racist, but you're only doing what you did to the other presidents. What do you think you about this? You see what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. What do you think? Uh, one of my pet peeves is people, a lot of people on the left, they think of themselves as extremely brave. Yes. For going, yes. ironically enough, with a very safe message. Yes. <laughs> That's a good a, point. A, a message that is completely uh, supported right. by the majority of loudmouth or uh, socially um, active people. Yeah. Uh, uh, socially media uh, savvy people. Uh, where do you think, what is, what's, who's brave to you right now? Who is brave to you in comedy? Who's breaking down barriers that you actually are just like, maybe it's yourself. Uh, you can also answer you if you would like, because I think you're a br- very brave uh, comedian and, and, and you take a lot of risks. But is there somebody, you mentioned Bill Burr, who this is on Bill All Burr, Things yes. Comedy. This is Bill Burr's network. All hail Mr. Bill Burr. I, I um, Colin Quinn. Colin he Quinn. He a book called The Coloring Book, and it's all about race in America. And obviously for a white guy to tackle that is, is a huge uh, risk. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of these brave guys we don't know about because they try to be brave and they get smashed right. too early. So I... I don't know. That's a good question. I think Quinn and Burr. Uh, 
I think uh, any black. I, oh, I heard a woman. I, Natasha Gero was talking the other day, and she was saying how like it's so much easier to be a woman in comedy because we get noticed where we stand out. And I was like, wow, you don't hear that, right? Like that was so cool to hear. To me, that's brave, right? You know, instead of just going, I'm a woman, and and why don't I get the same shit and blah blah blah. And I, I do think women have it harder in some ways, but like. To say what she said, I'm like, that's fucking brave to me. That's balls. You're, right. you're just letting it all out there. Yeah. And uh, I like stuff like that. Has there been a comedian that you would have liked to see stand up for themselves a little bit more? You know, I know I just got to, uh, you were at Foxwoods Casino mm-hmm. recently. I just got to open up for Jeff Ross out there. Talk about somebody who doesn't apologize. Jeff Ross refuses to, and he it's never true. will. He'll never apologize for a joke. Is there anybody that you've seen recently cave to... Uh, to the pressure. I mean, there is a lot of pressure. Like you were mentioning with Amy Schumer, when the executives come in, when the money people come in, just apologize. Just right. like, let's get done with it. We got Trainwreck coming out, her new movie that came out last weekend or this weekend. You know, is there anybody that you used to just admire and love, and now you're just like, that person's a pussy? I'm sure. I, I remember thinking that, actually, with somebody, but now I can't think of who it was. I remember being like, wow, he apologized? Really? That's a bummer. But I can't remember who it was. Damn it. I don't know. I think... Some people just get a pass. Like Louis C.K. had that cunt, faggot, nigger joke mm-hmm. and chewed up, and everybody's like, eh, that's a great joke. Right. Somehow, there's this like a vibe you put out, I guess. Yeah, what is it? What do you? What What is the, for the people listening who maybe want to become a comedian or they just want to get into show business or are just interested about comedy, what is it? What's that special something that allows you to get away with, with more? I know with Jeff Ross, in his case, everything, may, he makes a point to mention it comes from love. Right. Nothing comes from a mean-spirited place. Yeah. What do you think is, like, what is your, uh, you know, uh, methodology when it comes to doing, like, uh, you know, saying something edgy, but you say it with a wink. You got a nice smile. You got good dimples. Right. Mark Norman's got the best dimples in uh, in comedy. Oh, thanks. I, what, from what I've been told from a black comic, which meant a lot to me, and I'll never forget this, he said, you have some things that I could see people getting mad at, but I can tell you're just trying to figure it out. Right. And that's what I like. He's like, you're just trying to figure it out, and I can see that, and that's why I let it slide. Right. And I'm like, I'm just trying to, you're right, because how could I not try to figure it out? No one tells you anything. You bring it up, and people go, ooh, they turn their way. Right. So how the fuck are we supposed to know unless unless we ask? And A it, sense of curiosity. I got a sense of curiosity, yeah. and I think I'm a little... You know, maybe on the spectrum or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, you got a little, you got a dab of autism I, in you. I think I got a dab of. Yeah, I call it butt burgers because it's not fully ass. Oh, I you see. You know, so uh, I got a little of that, and I just want to learn. I just want to figure it out, and no one will tell you. Like, here's an example of my brain. I used to, when I was a kid, I learned about menopause in school. Yeah, and so I went up to my mom's friend. And I was like, oh, by oh, the way, you- isn't men? It's a full break. Pause, pause gives the idea that it's going to come back. Oh, that's fine. I never thought about that. The whole that. thing is it's gone. It's that's... men are gone. Men are gone forever. Write that down. Anyway, Mike. well, it's recorded. Yeah. So I asked this woman. She told me how old she was, and I was like, oh, so you, you, you're you going through menopause. And everybody at this dinner party was like, holy gee, what the right. fuck? And I'm like, I learned about it in school. Am I wrong? Like, in my brain, I was like, what's the problem? I, did, but I don't know menopause is a touchy thing because no one tells you that. Right. No one goes, hey, menopause, don't bring it up. Right. It's a thing. And why is it a thing? And why is it? It's a bodily function. Did You're they, of age. As a, as a birthday is celebrated, menopause, if I was a woman, I'm pa- popping champagne. I got a joke about that. I'm yeah. like, menstruation's over. You should move that tampon string to the side because you graduated. That's right. That's the bit. But, uh, yeah, and and that was that's me in a nutshell. Just like everybody was like, what the fuck is wrong with this kid? He's, he's nuts. And I'm like, I'm not nuts. I'm just going by the book. Right. 
So that's where I'm at, and that's why I think that my comedy can sometimes walk the line and maybe get away with it is because I'm just trying to figure it out and just tell me so I'll know and then I'll move on. And we're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, and I think that that sense of curiosity, that that uh, thirst for knowledge and uh, in real life um, it's actually more progressive. It's more progressive. For but, you know, like I remember one time I asked a black guy at a party, I said, what's up with the no swimming stereotype? You guys are the best athletes on the planet. You can't swim. I don't get it. And this guy was like, how can you fucking say this? White guy was like, you're a fucking racist. Right. And the black guy was like, we just grew up usually without pools. Right. We didn't have a pool. And I was like, okay, now I know. Case closed. And I'm actually more progressive than you because I I pondered. I got the answer. Right. You don't know the answer. You're just you, calling me a racist out of the gate. Do you think, I mean, I believe that there is definitely a chilling effect of education in this country. Going back to what I was saying about the university system, people going for degrees, like literally in like my aunt. Like I'm going right. to study my aunt at university yeah. because I always <laughs> yeah. wanted to get to know her and I'm spending $80,000 for a four-year degree that's going to get me nowhere because all the jobs are taken by machines. Um, do you feel like there's a chilling effect of, of knowledge in the country right now? Yeah, no one's willing to learn. We all say we got to have a discussion about race. We got to have a discussion when about is, this. Yeah, when is that going to happen? We never do it. Right. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. We have to, you know, it's so funny because in South, well, not funny, but uh, to your point, in South Carolina to take down the Confederate flag, which I believe should have been taken down from the state house and put in, put in a museum. We right. don't want to be ISIS and knock over all of our statues from history. Right. But as a Southern person, uh, with the Confederate flag, I would like to hear your thoughts on it because I have you here, and I've been trying to get you on the show for months. So we might as well have you here for as long as as long as possible. And I gave you that panini. Yeah, I appreciate the panini. So we got him here for a little while, Mike. Don't. I'm, that's my new strategy. He's panini. Got a, he's got to talk now. He's got to talk. Got a panini. I got you a panini. Get I love talking, the panini. Norman. Um, <laughs> but uh, don't listen to Mike, Mark. Don't uh, Jesus apologize. <laughs> that Mike. was too mean. I'm sorry. Well, Mark. I didn't yeah. even hear what you said. He said, "Keep talking, Mark," or something like this. Oh. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Not important. Glaze over it. All right, it's glazed. But, uh, okay, so in, in South Carolina, they had to have a vote in order to have a vote in order to then take down the flag. Right. So they had to vote to even have a vote. Yeah. To, that's how deep the conversation was that's, halted. That's funny. Right? So that, do you feel like that's sort of where we are in society right now where everyone's like, we need to have a race talk? And we never get to the talk. We haven't yeah. even had the talk to get to the talk yet. Right, right. Well, I just want to say this about Whitey. It's so much hypocrit hypocriticism, hip hypocrisy. Yeah. It's so much hypocrisy because uh, they'll they'll say like, "Oh my God, black people are mistreated, and we got to work on immigration and minority." And then they'll uh, uh, hide in their car, lock the door when a black guy walks by, and they'll go in their gated community. Right. It's like, so you're all fucking phonies. You're all right. full of shit. That's your elitist liberal white. Exactly. Yeah. That's your guilt talking. And yes, yeah, take the flag down. I'm from the south. I'm from Louisiana. I've I've seen the flag my whole life. People on their porches out of trucks waving the flag what do you think about the flag when you see it uh i mean i just grew up with it so it wasn't a big thing and, and you have the guy like uh you know that flag's about racism and i was like oh really and then you move on right uh but i, I think yeah take the flag down sure i get it it, it should have been taken down a while ago you're right but i think the way it was taken down was weird because it was like it's almost like your girlfriend like you really want to hang that scarface poster up i hate that scarface but you're like yeah it's my fucking poster and then you cheat on her, and then you're like, I better take that poster down. That's so what it felt like. Right. A symbolic gesture at best. Yeah. When we should be talking about why did this kid want to shoot up these black people? Why is this kid so scared of progress? Why is this? Like, that should be the, the main focus. Right. Also, mental illness is a huge factor here that no one's addressing. And, mm. like, what, what the fuck's going on in Chicago? Let's talk about that. Right. Why don't we glaze over that? That's insane. Right. More people have died in the south side of Chicago than in Iraq. 
Right. That's insane. It's but insane. because they're black, no one wants to bring it up. Uh, yeah, we had a great discussion on uh, Abling and Stop It on Cave Comedy Radio. Check out the show with Kevin Barnett. We spoke a lot about the South Carolina tragedy in Charleston, and, uh, and we went in depth with it. So do you feel like, ironically enough, going back to Amy Schumer, with the terrible article that was written about the uh, comedy act that the author never saw uh, about, uh, you know, there's black families burying their other aunts, uncles, and children in, in Charleston. Do you feel, ironically enough, like this person, in order to try to solve the problems of race, was just trying to mute somebody? Ah. Was trying to silence somebody from just talking? Yeah, Isn't that? Yeah. Do you feel like that's an... Is that where we're going? And, and if so, how do you fight back from that as a comedian? And have you ever felt like you're just uh you know scared or you know if the, if the pressure is just too much to to say something all the time i mean i have things i might want to say here but i'm scared you know you never know who's going to pick this up but like i just think there's problems with every group and we're somehow we're scared we'll we'll address it with other groups but when it comes to black that's when people get really wound up tight they're like ah, i won't talk about that and then you start wondering why is black the biggest one? I, I, I why I do you think it is? I think it's a, a combination of the history, you know, with the slaves, slavery and all that shit, obviously, and uh, that's a big one. And I think a lot of people deep down have problem a problem with black people. I really right. do. I will. I think a lot of whitey, you go you go places and they still have a problem with black people and and Mexicans and other people too, like. Asian store owners, they see black guys walking, they're like, oh boy, here we go. And then, like, right. the Indian guys won't pick them up in a cab. Maybe they're not Indian, I'm sorry. Whatever. Middle Eastern guys, they don't pick them up. So, like, there's a thing going on with black people, obviously, that no one wants to address. And then you got, like, the, uh, the, um, this, you know, you look at the statistics, like, black dropout rates are higher, or, like, black, uh, STD rates are higher. So, like, there's, like, things going on that we could fix. Right. We could work on, but everybody's too scared to bring it up. Like, like it's this that to me that's the ultimate racism. Right. What do you think about the idea that uh, white people don't have they they should not be controlling or discussing the racial issue, right? Because people would be like, "Why are you talking about it, Mark?" But I'm then talking it, about because it it's there. Right. Well, I also think it's the media too. The media, like, you know, a black guy gets shot by a cop. That's terrible. And the media goes nuts with it. Racist cop, racist cop, the cop should be fired, blah, blah, blah. Which, sure, yeah. But then I saw a thing on, on the news the other day where a, a black cop was fucking with this black guy. I don't know if you saw it. And he beat him up on the sidewalk. Like, they got into a fist fight. And uh, so you kind of start going like, now why isn't that pushed as much? Right. Obviously it's not pushed as much because it's not a cool headline. It's right. not as sexy. It's not race. Mm-hmm. It's just a black cop and a black guy. But it's like, that should be talked about too. Hey, cops suck. Cops are dicks. Not all cops, obviously, I'm generally speaking. But it's right. like- Let's get into that. Let's get into everything. But right. we, we're it, the media just should, let, let's throw this out there. This will get it going. The riots in Baltimore are this play. It's just everyone's scared to say anything. Like when remember when that mom beat the shit out of that kid in the riots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like smacking him upside the head. Hero like, mom. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. what are you insane? That mom's crazy. Right. Like, oh, oh, no wonder her son has violent tendencies. Look what she's doing to him. And we're all going, uh, that's some good loving. Yeah, classic mom. Right. <laughs> it's like. What? That mom should be fucking, I mean, putting a time out at least. Look what she's doing to that kid. <laughs> like, let's do something. But because she's right. black, people go, well, you know, <laughs> it's it's tough love. There you right. go. You got to do it. What a mom. Hero. A tiger mom situation. Yeah, yeah. So right, I'm just right, saying, right. it. I wish we could just stop being phony, but it's, it's 
I, I hope, like with, when Trevor Noah got hired, right? Everybody for the Daily Show. For the Daily Show, I think he's half black, half white. Mm-hmm. He, uh, somebody looked up his tweets and found a tweet from six years ago about him making fun of Jews, right? And it's like, that's what it's come to. We got to find something. Right. We're kneeling in a haystack, a, a bad thing to against prove the guy. that this person is a bad person. Yes, like that's where that's where we're, we're fucked up. We're looking for it now instead of right. uh, just, looking for the good. Yeah, looking for the, for the good, good. people. Right. How about that? Yeah, so right. that's I, that's what bums me out. It's it sucks. Like I don't want to have kids and bring them into that shit. Like right. it's a shitty world now. Right, it's a bummer. What uh, what would, what's what's a, a goal for you? What's a comedy goal? What's one thing when you're all let's just say uh, you know ten years from now, you got a you got you got your you got your first album. I'm sure you'll have more by then. What do you want the uh, little change that you can possibly create because that's all we can really hope for, uh, to uh, to have happen is a little a little bit of change but what would you like people to take away from your comedy uh jeez is it that togetherness that sort of yeah, sense of like I like that I like that just like I've thought that I was too scared to say it I like that whole Larry David thing of like he's getting in all this trouble but the whole time you're agreeing with him right you know right, right right you're like well, he's, he's right He's kind of right. It's like when Bill Maher said terrorists are brave. Right. And he got fired. And it's like, well, they are. Like, let's let's all step back from, from our feelings for five seconds and realize hijacking a plane and crashing into a building takes some fucking balls. Right. And, I, and no one wants to hear that. I'm not for them. I don't support them. But, like, that's the kind of sh- do- jokes I like where, like, this is a true thing. I know it's not what you want to hear, but let's just deal with it and face it and move on. Yeah. So I like that togetherness thing. Like, let's all come together. Let's talk. I've had black guys come up to you after shows and be like, you know, I like that you're just saying what you think and you're not pandering to us and it's nice. Because I think that's the ultimate Slap racism. in the face. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so condescending. Yeah. Right. You know, like uh, I did this show once or I went to a show and my friend roasted a woman and the woman roasted him. It was like a roast battle. Uh-huh. And the, the guy clearly won. But they gave it to the they get made it a tie because they did like one woman stood up she was a judge she was like I gotta give it to the girl I'm a girl girl power and it's like well first of all that's crazy that's like right. imagine if a white guy did that I gotta give it to the white guy white power right uh, so that's crazy and then the other guy was like yeah I gotta go draw I don't want to I feel bad and it's like that is so condescending we were right. all saying women aren't women are just as funny as men well then treat them like like it treat them like right. equals so shit like that where we gotta stop just pandering to everybody and being so phony and just letting people win because I feel like there's a thing now and I think you've seen this in the media where uh, it'll be like these feminist blogs who are like take down these men and blah 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 and you're like well I thought you wanted justice now you just want to win that's the opposite of progress right you don't want you don't want fairness you don't want equality you want to be on top which is what the, these guys that you claim to hate are doing right i mean they're the same jocks and uh yeah you know more ag- aggressive uh feminists obviously the definition of feminist everyone agrees with uh women should be you know paid yes, the same and, and yes. equal ob- uh, absolutely but of course there are um negativity uh is sort of the uh the the fuel that that fire that 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 allows the internet to burn you know yeah it, it's true and it's right. uh, it's really unfortunate politicians use it a very very similar way you can either get people together with a positive message positivity and bringing people together or you break them apart be divisive and uh, and play on people's anger and rage and that's another way to get uh, a good amount of the electorate uh, out to vote for you there you, look you at what go w did with gay marriage and now now of course gay marriage is a positive thing that helped Obama in 2012 get elected. Boom. But these social issues come in and they change. You think Hillary's um, going to win? 
Uh, Hillary, I am so not <laughs> impressed with Hillary Clinton. I watched her entire economic speech. I spoke uh, about it at length on my show, and uh, she she's hates Uber. She's anti-Uber. I love Uber. Gotta love the Ubers. I, I love anything that's taking on a shitty corporate, a shitty company, and making it better. Yeah, and now there's a there's a a councilwoman here in New York that took uh, I think it was 125,000 bucks from the yellow t- uh, cab people. So she wants to get rid of Uber. It's all the money, you know. Uh, it's all money. Uh, but no, I don't. I, I I have no idea if she's going to win. I wouldn't be surprised if she does. But I also could see it if it's a Hillary Bush election. Mark my words, lowest turnout in a hundred years. No. <laughs> Everyone's going to go. Everyone's going to be so disillusioned and sad. And, but don't you feel like with the president, I feel like if you if you locked me in a room with no windows and the election happened and said, all right, wait a week and we'll let you outside, and I walked around uh, my uh, my city, I don't think I would notice a difference. No, I mean, it's not Nothing the Middle really East. Happens. You know, these aren't yeah. celebrities here. They're right. kind of, you know, for better or for worse, kind of in the, uh, in the background of society. And then oftentimes whenever they do put themselves into social issues, a lot of times they're demonized for it. And there's a lot of unintended consequences to, uh, you know, being a little bit more of a grandiose president. Right. So if you want to pass TPP, do it under the radar like Obama did. There you go. Unbelievable. Um, But no, I love what you're saying. I I totally agree. You got to humanize, right? Like you were talking about with the bravery of the of the uh, people who caused 9-11 as as disgusting as they were and how terrible the act was. You really get. Yeah. By it is sort of the definition of of bravery. Yeah. Literally the definition. Right. And so with comedy, you can really get that human sense. I was watching a video with Saman Arbabi, an international journalist buddy of mine. He was in Afghanistan from 2004 to 2009. And uh, they interviewed a kid who spoke English. Mel Gibson was his favorite actor. He uh, was uh, <laughs> totally loved Western culture. And uh, finally, they asked him uh, if he would ever be a suicide bomber. And he said, "If God, if God would be so willing." Wow. You know, but he's just a human being. He was a young kid. He was handsome. This kid who just shot up uh, this place in Chattanooga. Another kid. You know, these are just these are human beings. Yeah. And I think with especially with your style of comedy, that uh, you know, showing them as human beings then allows you to be able to reach them and actually talk to them on a level where they don't feel as if they're outcasts or being treated differently regardless if it's positive or negative. You just want to treat people the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's all work it out. I mean, right now we're all roommates in this country. You know, we're all living together. And unless we talk about you putting the ketchup top back on, it's right. not going to happen. And I know it's going to be weird and uncomfortable, but it's the only way it's going to get better. That reminds me, i got to... A couple of open ketchups in my room right now. Oh, boy. Been doing a lot of drunk eating in bed. Oh, that'll get you. Eating, eating on my back. I find oh. it, yeah. I don't know what's going on. What a slob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real, real piggy. I've Gotta been get... there. Then you wake up and you got mustard on your chest. Yeah, a little breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, a little breakfast mustard. Um, <laughs> anything going on? What do you got? Anything to plug? Uh, Yeah. When does this come out? This will be out, uh, what, Monday? Yeah, Monday. So July 20th. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I got some road dates coming up. Check my website, marknormancomedy.com. Follow me on Twitter, at marknorm. Uh, check out my podcast, Tuesdays with Stories. That's done right. With me and uh, Joe List. Tuesdays with Stories is a great podcast, and I hope to have Joe List on soon. And, of course, check out um, We're All Friends here. I'm sure that's still online, right? Uh, yeah, like some some archives. No, you don't want it plugged, though. No, it, it's fine. I just uh, I haven't been on. We haven't done a new one in two years. Oh, all right. So i gotta get, I got to get back on that because I like the show. It's a great show. Oh, thanks. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for listening. You can find Mike Coscarelli on Twitter at Mike Coscarelli. Mike Coscarelli. Also listen to Mike's uh, podcast, Social Villains. 
on uh, how's the network going, Mike? Uh, it's going okay. I got to meet with uh, Tim Dillon. He's the last one, oh, the last shoe to drop. He's great. Very hard to get a hold of. Yeah, so yeah. Right. I think I'm going to take his uh, his bus tour tomorrow morning <laughs> and discuss business. Best tour guide in the city. Yeah, that's what I hear. When you come to New York City, hop on the Tim Dillon bus ride. He's a big, heavy set fellow who will make you laugh. Mm-hmm. Big uh, gay. He's a big gay fella. All right, I'm Ben Kissel at Ben Kissel. Check out all the shows on Cave Comedy Radio, Radio Abling's Top Hat, the Roundtable of Gentlemen, and the last podcast on the left. And uh, I'll be back on Red Eye on August third which will be kind of exciting. And, Mark, you were just on Red Eye last night, the Fox News show. Yes, sir. We're great. We're perfect for 3 a.m. television. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just bloated and drunk enough. Um, All right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.